0: Hello, this is Mike McDivitt, intern pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church. This is August the 23rd. It's hard to believe, right? And today I wanted to start here in Numbers 22. We're going to talk about the curse of Balaam. The curse of Balaam. We're going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to have a word of prayer, if you would. Numbers chapter 22, verse 2 and 3, and it says, And Balak son of Zippor saw all that israel had done to the Amorites, and moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many and moab was distressed because of the children of israel let's pray dear fathers thank for this day that you have given us lord and i pray father you will do what i cannot do lord and and bless our hearts through your word today and ask these things in jesus name i pray amen so in these first couple verses we're talking about a man named balak and he is scared to death. Scared to death because Israel's is coming through the wilderness and he's afraid of them. And he's trying to think of what he's going to do. And, and uh, he knows of a prophet. That's what we're going to get to here in verse 7. Uh, let's read 7 through 12. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of the divination. That means to pay somebody this Balaam, uh, a price to curse Israel in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came to Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now and curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them, and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning, and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So, believe it or not, this is a Gentile prophet. There's a few of them. You know, we talk about different different prophets that you, know, you don't think of outside of Israel at that time. But one of them was Balaam. There's discrepancy on Melchizedek, some different thoughts, but some believe it. he was just a Gentile prophet and a king. But at any rate, Balaam is a is a Gentile prophet, so close to God. In fact, God's talking to him, saying, what are you doing with these people in your house? And he said that they wanted him to curse Israel. And God said, you can't curse them because I blessed them, basically. He said, you can't curse the people for they are blessed. Who are they blessed from? Of course, God. And so the here, here's the start of this curse of Balaam, and he he also goes into he he tries to bribe him some more, he gives more money, he's trying to convince him. Of course, there we're not going to go real deep into this because we want to cover some other matters, but to the point where he even uh, it's that story where. He is on his donkey and even has a donkey saying, what are you doing? You know, because there's, there's an angel in front of him to block the way. When he tries to go curse Israel, God will not allow him to do this. We find this also in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 8. Numbers 23 and verse 8. And it says, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? You know, <clears throat> he understood something that these uh, these other Gentiles didn't. That a curse comes from the Lord. It's not a person that has a power to do this. If if apparently Balaam uh, was known for being a prophet of God and amongst these people, but they felt it probably that it came from him. This power, and Balaam knew though this comes from the Lord. So I cannot do this thing. So God doesn't allow him. You think, well, that's the end of the story. Well, Balaam gets a little greedy. And he does a few things that it explains later on about. And we're just going to really quickly read two, two, two verses that describe what Balaam ends up doing. In Numbers chapter 31, we'll go back here just a little further. Just a little further. Because what is this curse of Balaam? Numbers chapter 31. What is this curse of Balaam that we're talking about here? Numbers chapter 31, verse 16. And it says, Behold, these caused the children of Israel, through the counsel, the counsel of who? Of Balaam, to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, let's turn back here to the book of the Revelation. This is in the back of the Bible, of course. The book of the Revelation, chapter 2. Revelation, chapter 2. To describe what this curse is. Revelation, chapter 2, and verse 14. And it says, But I have a few things against thee, Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine, that means the teaching, of Balaam. Here we're talking about him clear over here in the book of the Revelation. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. To eat the things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So what is this curse of Balaam that it talks about through the Bible? Basically, Balaam couldn't curse them. So to get this money, he got the Moabites to get their people and lure the children of Israel into cursing themselves by eating the things after idols and to commit fornication with their women. And basically, since he couldn't curse them, he got them to curse themselves. You imagine that. He couldn't get around. He couldn't curse them because that comes from the Lord. But he had an idea. Satan uses that today. I believe that this is a big problem in the modern day Christians. With modern day Christians, rather. This, I believe, is being used by Satan and the world to trip up the church, people. I'm telling you, you've seen one preacher go down. You've seen a lot, and then not, not let alone all the different people in churches. They curse themselves through their lives. They have a lot of excuses, but they that's what that's what they do. When they sin, maybe someone else can't curse them, but they ended up cursing themselves. How does this work in a a life? How does this work in a life? There is an example, believe it or not, in the Bible of this, even though the curse of Balaam isn't mentioned. There is a a place. Let's look in 1 Kings, if you would. 1 Kings. And we're going to start here in chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse we're going to start in and it says and the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar as after he became king and it says in Gideon or Gibeon excuse me the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream by night and God said ask what I shall give thee How'd you like that? For God came to you and says, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. How would you like that? What do you think Solomon would say? Riches, you know, most beautiful woman in the world, to marry, or I want uh, the biggest chariot or whatever. And that's not what he asked for. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant, David, my father, great mercy. And according According as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee, thou hast kept for him this great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child, I know not how to go out and to come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy like, so great a people? And his speech pleased the Lord. And Solomon asked this thing, that Solomon asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. And lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any rise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes, and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold it was a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the and burnt off, off excuse me, and offered up burnt offerings, and offer up peace offerings, and made a feast to all his servants. So he asked something that you wouldn't expect. Here's a godly man, and he wants what God wants, and he wants to be a good king. He wants to be a wise king. He wants to to honor the Lord in, in ruling the people with a godly um, spirit and with godly knowledge, not his own. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't seek anything except for wisdom. Pretty godly man, huh? Pretty godly man. Well, how does this turn out? Um for chapter four here, just two verses here in four twenty nine-thirty says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much and large of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore, and Solomon's wisdom excelled in the wisdom of all the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. So He received this blessing from God, a remarkable blessing. And then it works out even to the rest of the world, how they see it. We're going to turn back here to chapter 10 of first Kings. How does this, how did this work out? We look at starting at verse one of chapter 10 of first Kings. It says, and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she has come to Solomon, she communed with him of all the things in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I had heard of mine own land, of of thy acts, and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. The wisdom and the prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. This is how it worked out. Not only did God bless Solomon... With wealth and wisdom <clears throat> she couldn't believe that what she heard wasn't even half of what was really true. It's usually the opposite, right? We hear a rumor and we think, uh you know well, if it's half true i'd be I'd be astounded, and usually it isn't right But here, when she came to see what she had heard about. It was even more marvelous than what she saw, or what she heard, rather. And so this is how blessings from God works. Not that he would always bless somebody with wealth, but he would give, you know, if he says, if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And we look later on in Solomon's writings and Proverbs and the like, we see that. That's a, that's something, if you want wisdom, you ask. And if you serve the Lord, you need a natural blessing attached to it. And here is a life full of blessings from the Lord. Well, how in the world, you say, Mike, you know, how in the world does <clears throat> this curse of Balaam work into Solomon's life then? Well, it does. Let's look here in 1 Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter 11. He got all this blessings from the Lord. How in the world could he be cursed? How in the world could he be cursed? Let's look in the first four verses of chapter 11. And it says, but the kings but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, whom of the Moabites and the and there we go, Moabites again, right? And the Ammonites. These are and Edomites. That's a, these are cousins of the Jews. And the, the Zidia, excuse me, the Zed, Zidonians, <laughs> spit it out there. And the Hittites. And of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall ye come in unto them, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. The Solomon clave on unto these in love, and he had seven hundred wives and princesses, and three hundred concubines, and. His wives turned away his heart. You know, the, mo- the number blows my mind every time I read that. But in this time, a lot of kings would marry women of other kings and their, and their, their, their families so that there would be peace. They would use this for like almost like a treaty. But God said not to do that. And especially because they will turn your heart away. They will turn your heart away. Well, how does this end up? Well, in this same chapter, in chapter 11, let's look in verse 9. And it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statues which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servants. And it goes on. So how did he get this curse of Balaam? Someone didn't put that on Solomon. No, no, he might have been lured into this by them wives, but he willingly followed, and ended up cursing himself through worshiping their gods because of their influence in his life. We find this in children. We say, "Man, don't, don't, don't hang around with little Johnny because you'll become like him." We forget that adults do the same, but especially in the Christian realm. God's man can be lured and we can't just blame another person. We can't blame those wives. He married them and then he followed them. He ended up cursing himself just like the Jews did. When um, Balaam told the Moabites how to curse them by getting them to curse themselves. Solomon was cursed by when he married these ladies, that he started to follow their ungodly ways and worshiping other gods. And because of that, not only did he curse himself, but he cursed the lion after him, he cursed his country. A lot of bad things fell because of what he did here in this curse of Balaam by cursing himself. And this is mentioned through the Bible, the curse of Balaam, the curse of Balaam. And I believe this is really what has went on in our own country today. I believe we have cursed ourselves. You know, what somebody else couldn't do. They didn't have to because we did it to ourselves. Now, we don't want to just leave this on a downbeat, do we? There is an antidote to Balaam's curse. It's an old curse. Satan uses it over and over again, doesn't he? How do we recoup? How do we hit the reset button? What do we do? Well, it's something that a lot of Christians use, this verse. But I believe it is used so much. That we don't take it seriously anymore. I've heard this verse since I was a child used over and over again. But if we take it seriously, this is the antidote to Balaam's curse. 2nd Chronicles, you probably knew where I was going, right? Chapter 7. And we're going to read 12 through 14. 2nd Chronicles 12, or excuse me, 7. Excuse me. 2nd Chronicles 7, 12 through 14. And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. And if I, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain or if I commune to the locust to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is the antidote, my friend. You know, old Balaam, he ended up getting killed in the end of that story. And I believe that was part of his reaping of what he sowed, finally. And I'm sure he couldn't have been happy because he was God's man and God was not happy with him or what he did. And also through the years now, this very curse has been placed upon God's people from this world and Satan's people, and getting us to curse ourselves through our own sin. Then that's sad. But there is an antidote, my friend. If we turn to God, humble ourselves, and pray, seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, then He said, He promised, if we repent and turn to Him, ask forgiveness, turn away from our sin unto Him, He said, He will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins and actually he will heal our land where Solomon's country got cursed because of him. If we do this recipe, this is the antidote to heal our country because he never asks for the lost people to get right. He asks for them, gives them a chance to get saved, but the lost people aren't the hold back, the holdups here it's his own people us christians so a few thoughts my friend and i pray that you will take this under uh, consideration and pray for our country because i really do believe that we have cursed ourselves and we can change that because we have the antidote in god's word second chronicles 7:14 so i hope that uh this has blessed your heart. And I pray that we all consider this, right? We all can curse our own lives. And I pray that uh, we we can not only we, you know, we tell lost people to repent, but saved people sometimes need to repent too, right? Like 1 John, it says about that. So let's have a word of prayer. Dear Fathers, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you will help us as we seek to serve you this week, and that we will. Repent of our own problems, our own sins, Lord, and we will turn to you. And we'll tell some poor lost soul how to be saved. We thank you for what you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, you guys have a great week. And I pray that uh, you'll tell some poor lost soul about the Lord this week, right? You guys have a good good week. See you next week.